Betsy Cross is the founder and designer of the Portland-based jewelry brand Betsy and I, which she founded in 2008. I came across her retail store in Northwest Portland on my first ever visit to the city and immediately fell in love with her jewelry designs and selection of clothes and accessories made by independent artists from around the world. Products which are all, as a neon sign in their shop window reads, beautiful things made by people who care. Welcome to Morning Person Newsletter, Betsy. Thank you so much for having me, Leslie. I'm so happy to be here. I'm thrilled to be talking to you because I've been such a fan of you for so many years now (laughs) that I almost can't believe that now there's a personal connection. I'm literally (laughs) wearing a bracelet that I think I bought like five years ago on my first trip to Portland. So it feels very full circle. This is a big moment Mm. for me, really. Well, it's a big one for me too. (laughs) Um, I mean, the first thing I want to ask you about is... How did you start Betsy and I? How do you even go about beginning a jewelry brand? Was this a hobby that turned naturally mm. into a business? That's a good question. I I was actually on a, a really different path in my life. Well, I guess it's not horribly different. I um I was studying theater. I I went through college mm-hmm. um studying theater in uh undergrad and then I ended up getting a masters of um physical and ensemble based theater. And so I I knew that in my life I needed to spend as much time as possible doing something doing creative things. Um and I think that the thread to jewelry didn't really click for me until uh actually later on in my um in my educational career. Um I got a job at a bead shop in Arcata, California. I went to school at a really small school um, called Del Arte, and uh, it was close to Arcata. And, and they had a, a bead shop there that was, at least from my experience, different from other bead shops. It was a really interactive place. They wanted, uh, most people would be able to come in and have something, uh, you know, pick out some beads and have, have us help them make it into something, uh, beautiful. And, um, and so I, I learned basic making skills there. Um, and, and it was kind of this, at this time, this intersection of time where I was ending, I was close to ending my career, um, in, uh, well, my career, I was, I was close to finishing my master's program, um, and I also had the opportunity to live in Mexico city, um, for several months mm. and I was teaching in a university down there. Um, and then I was also taking and studying traditional Mexican mask work. So like wooden mask work, character mm. work and living down there. Um, so I started working at the beach shop before the, I'll, I'll circle back to that. Um, mm-hmm. but, but living down there just really uh lit a inspirational fire under me um when it comes to objects and um adornment and craft um there the the scene down there is really strong there they have these weekend mercados where you'd go out and um it's just like it would come alive in an instant people would fill the center mm. of the street with their work and it's, you know people were selling all kinds of things antiques and um, handmade wooden figures and, and jewelry and things like that. And I, I got really inspired by the artists that were, were selling and, um, and there was something about the, the difference for me between a tangible object, object, so creation of a tangible thing that you can hold and feel and touch and give away 
mm-hmm. and then the creation of something that is is seen and absorbed and i and i love them both for different reasons but something about it it just uh i, I don't know it, i i felt this big connection in that moment i didn't know i was going to do anything with with jewelry um mm-hmm. but I'd always loved adornment. Um, my, I remember I would go through my mother's drawers when I was little and I would, um, put on her wooden bangles and her like kind of gaudy, mm-hmm. you know, jewelry from the seventies and eighties and, um, and, and just feel special, feel like I could turn mm-hmm. into something different in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so I'd always mm-hmm. felt like, what is that? What is that about connection mm-hmm. and identity and, and making yourself feel, um, I don't know, different and, and more like yourself. And anyway, so that's, this is the long, <laughs> the long start to how no, I'm so, I'm so interested in that because I knew that you studied theater in college because we've met before and we've chatted about that. And I also love theater and I was sort of wondering what the connection was to jewelry. But now that you say that it really seems like, oh, these are both these sort of creative practices where you can in a way, transform yourself through inhabiting a character or through putting on accessories that make you feel or embody a different um, personality or aspect of yourself. Exactly. Yes. And that creation Mm -hmm. and kind of following the work and where it wants to go, that stuff is really um, interesting to me. Um, So I, these things kind of all were happening at once. And then I ended up moving to Portland and, um, at the time it was really, really affordable to, to kind of have an art practice, um, in, in the city. And I, uh, I was, I, I wasn't making a lot of money what I, with what I was doing. And I, I just, something wasn't, wasn't feeling quite right. And I, I just, I had this feeling, maybe I should, maybe I should try something else, but, you know, still rooted in, in, um, in creativity and pursuing a life of, of creativity. And, um, because of these different experiences I had had and some like collection of beads and things, I thought, I'm just going to try. And I didn't have, Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, have a lot of my bank account at the time. So in some ways it was easier because I didn't have a lot to lose. You know, it's not like I was Mm -hmm. on this path, you know, making like, like having a really good job that I had to have this tough decision of like, I'm on this Mm -hmm. path and how can I leave that? Um, I was already on a creative path and this was just kind of a, like a curve, you know, in the path. Yeah. Um, it feels almost like an extension of what you were already doing that you decided, oh, I'm a creative person. I'm, I love what you say. I'm living a creative life. And so I'm just going to sort of curve into also doing jewelry now. Yes, exactly. And, and for a while, honestly, I felt guilt around not pursuing something that I had spent so much time studying and practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, were you practicing theater at the time in Portland? I was, yeah, I was doing some shows and, um, I was teaching and, uh, yes, I was still, I was still doing theater and I still love theater. Um, <laughs> but I knew pretty early on, or I, I felt that it was going to work. And I, and so I had some, yeah, some guilty feelings about that path mm. curve <laughs> as we've identified mm-hmm. in this conversation. Um, but what I, what I understood later on kind of to your point about these things playing nicely together is that, 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 that time that I spent practicing and growing in that way, um, absolutely informed all all the work that I do now in, in Mm -hmm. some very direct ways and some very indirect ways. Um, we did a, in theater, uh, in, in my 
particular school, we, um, we devised theater. So in the beginning of the week, we would uh, get like a prompt. And by the end of the week, with a new group of people, we would have to create a whole, you know, not not necessarily long, but a whole piece from the ground up. Mm. And so I think that, yeah, I think that um, really set me up for resiliency, buoyancy, um, not getting stuck if something's not working, um, you know, shifting gears and seeing what else could work. And I, I absolutely use that and many other things in the work that I do now. I mean, it's so interesting because the reason that I wanted to talk to you is because of your innate creativity. And I think that we have this sort of shared bond that we both consider ourselves to be creative people. But even as I'm saying that, I'm sort of wondering, like, how would you describe living a creative life or what inhabiting and being a creative person looks like to you? Mm. Like, what is creativity? Oh, that's a really good question. I think that creativity to me is utilizing all of my senses, which relates to Mm. how I tap into creativity too. So coming into my body and um, being connected. And I think that's, that feels like a really broad answer, but it's, it's so specific for me and true for me that doing something that feels, you know, disconnecting is, um, is extremely jarring for me. It's um, mm-hmm. it's almost like an affront to who I am. Mm. Um, Give yeah. me an example of that. Like, what what would you do that feels disconnecting to you? Well, th- honestly, the best story I can think of is is um, my my family w- when I started Betsy and I. They were concerned. Some people were concerned that it wasn't the right choice. And at the time they, they did some research on Craigslist of like career Mm -hmm. opportunities in the area. And, um, one was a pharmaceutical sales position and nothing against that. But honestly, that, that moment of being on the phone and hearing that from them as a suggestion, and they were, they were not, you know, they weren't saying like, do this, this is your whole, this should be your whole career path, but why don't you do this and and make some money? Cause we know it's tough right now. And then you can change mm-hmm. gears. But hearing that was mm. so painful for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. It was like, a, it, mm-hmm. there was, it was a visceral, painful reaction. That moment was when I, I got off the phone and I was like, I'm going to make this work. Wow. Um, wow. And I, yeah. And so I, I think that's, that's part of the answer to your question and how, um, something is, it's like my, my intuition, I just know that it's, it's not something that I can do. Um, and I, I have a hard time focusing when I'm in moments where I, um, where, but yeah, where it, it just feels so unlike who I am against who I am as mm-hmm. a person or against my values and, mm-hmm. and all that. Does that make I sense? completely Yeah, I completely agree with you because I've had so many moments where I've sort of been presented with maybe a more practical job or a more practical choice. And um, even when I was launching Morning Person Newsletter, the time that I launched it, I was going into my master's program of counseling and I knew that I had to make money to be able to support myself and pay tuition. And so I was sort of 
considering these different options. And one of them was a part-time job working for the school, which was a perfectly great option. I interviewed for it. I very nearly took it, but there was something in me and it wasn't near It wasn't necessarily a complete aversion to that job, but there was something in me that just knew I have this project. I'm really excited about it. I just sense that it's going to work. But it was this risk of turning down this practical job that would have definitely paid me for something that was like, who knows if this is going to work, but we're going to try it and just see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Aversion is exactly right. And, you know, again, nothing, nothing against different career paths for different people. But I think what you described makes me think of just intuition and, and women's intuition, too, that this uh yeah it's like con- connection to our bodies i think where i you know my body just said that's not something that you can do i think you have to mm-hmm. go in a different a different way so tell me was there a point where you felt like you're into it like people finally saw your intuition paying off like when did betsy and i have really start to take off on its own brand that wasn't only this idea in your head but something that had measurable success yeah, well, the the moment I always point to is I um I had rented a so I decided I was going to do it as kind of after that phone call I'm doing this. Mm, I well. um I set everything aside. I got I rented a very small studio. It cost me $125 a month. Um that that was like near the Pearl District, so that says a lot That's about incredible. the time. Oh my god, now that <laughs> right? would be 10 times that. Yeah. Yeah. Literally 10 times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Amazing. I think so. And yes. um, I I decided I was going to create a bunch of different collections and put it out mm-hmm. there and have an opening party mm-hmm. and um, let everyone know, you know, like really just go out with the, well, go out with a bang, I guess start with a bang. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. I... Um, I, I, I decided my focus in the beginning was going to be wholesale Um because mm-hmm. it, my studio was uh, street facing, but it was, you know, store um, street front, I guess is what you'd say. Um, but it was in mm-hmm. kind of an off, like off the main path area. So I wasn't expecting to get a ton of foot traffic. Um, mm-hmm. But I decided in order to not have to spend a lot of money investing in materials and startup costs, I would, um, I would use the materials I had, I would get a few more and I would just make one of each thing. I think I made six mm-hmm. different like cohesive collections and Mm. I made flyers and went to all the shops around town. I Mm -hmm. let all my friends know. Um, and, uh, Will's band played for the opening and that Mm -hmm. day, Will is your husband. Yes. Will is my husband (laughs) and he is, Mm -hmm. he is now, Mm -hmm. uh, my business partner as well. But in the beginning it was just me. Mm -hmm. And, um, Mm -hmm. and I had an opening party in that weekend. It was a two day affair. Um, I made back my very modest startup costs. But to me, that was, I think that was a goal I set for myself. If I, if people like this work, if they buy it, then I'll know that it's uh, mm. something worth pursuing. And I think that first year I, I grossed like maybe $40,000, $40, something mm-hmm. very small for, you know, an operating business, but it was enough for me and it was more than I was doing, um, with the rest of my, uh, career. So, uh, mm-hmm. that was my answer, you know, that it's, that's worth, worth doing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder now it just reminded me when you're telling me about the success, that's sort of this external validation 
How do you now balance the external validation and, you know, say following trends or what people are buying or coming into the shop for versus what you like and what you know is good and feels good intuitively? Because I really, I sort of, I guess my experience in writing morning person newsletter is that I don't really look at the statistics in the back end of like what is performing well, which is probably not the smartest business decision, but but everything I write is just intuitive from like, this is what I'm really interested in. And this is what I'm interested in putting out and creating. And that for me helps maintain longevity. Um, Mm. But I could probably get more subscribers if I was really catering to what was, you know, quote, performing well. Ah, I so much relate to what you're saying, Leslie. This is exactly <laughs> how I proceed in my own career and, and with Betsy and mm-hmm. I. Uh, and I, I think that's I think that's actually one reason why we've been successful. And I would imagine it's one we- reason you have too. Um, and that's that just brings up the word authenticity. You know, I think mm. that we... Um, I can try to follow a trend, but it it will end up coming across inauthentic, I think, if I if I do, because I mean, there might, you know, it it doesn't mean that something I do is not going to be trendy or on trend or whatever, but I I cannot personally uh, enter the work that way. It's more of an after mm-hmm. kind of like what you're saying, like, oh, yeah, I guess this is something that people are talking about these days or something that, you know, shapes that people are interested in. But if I start that way, I will uh, I will get stuck for sure. And I think mm-hmm. I think that I learned I've learned, you know, over and over again, if I ever if I do go against my intuition or I go against that and, and try to um, try to figure out the numbers and all the things that you're talking about um it, uh, it, it, I don't end up going, um, yeah, I, I guess I lose, I lose the thread. I lose the, um, the connection to the work. And I think that impacts how successful we can be. Mm-hmm. Completely. And this idea of longevity, like I almost had this image while you were just talking in my head of like a candle burning and the oxygen from it kind of just being taken mm-hmm. out of it because that's how it totally. feels to me. And I'm sure that you've had experiences where like, okay, maybe you can be inspired by a trend or there's a trend that sort of works, but then it's the question of how do I make this work for me and how can I still be genuinely interested in creating this? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so we were both in very random and different ways drawn to this exact same area in Portland, which is where you have your store, Betsy and Aya, which is where I first came across it. But it is on this street called Thurman, which is a street that's very meaningful to me because the first time that I ever came to Portland, I think it was, oh my God, it must have been like nine years ago now. I was living in New York and my partner at the time won a sweepstakes for us to go to Portland to go to the Feast Food Festival, which is wild. Like Portland was not on my radar whatsoever. And we were staying in downtown Portland. It's it's just like, I can't, life is so bizarre, but I, I know we were staying in downtown Portland and I needed to go for a long run because I was training for a longer race. And I just sort of saw this green spot on the map. And I was like, I guess I'll run from downtown to there. And it turns out that it was Forest Park, which is just this like unbelievably beautiful park that's full of trails. But Thurman, the street that Betsy and Isla is on, is right off of 
um, the street that basically leads directly into Forest Park. And Mm -hmm. you sort of had a similar story where you kind of came across Thurman by Kismet to open your first real like retail store after your studio space in Pearl. Turns out Thurman is magic or something, I think. (laughs) I agree. Honestly, I truly agree. The first time I was on it, I was like, the city is wonderful. I'm moving here. Truly. I love that. Yeah. I mean, really, my experience with it is not that different. And it it, it kind of makes me think about um, just what I love about Portland in general, you know, the, the, the little niche neighborhoods and and so many special shops and, and, and restaurants and everything has its own theme and flavor. And, you know, it's just so special. And I think uh, Mm -hmm. Thurman has a particularly unique and um, warm and intimate feel. Um, Mm -hmm. There's something so Mm -hmm. special about the neighborhood. And I, I love that Thurman is, is close to kind of the main street and the main action of 23rd, but then it becomes, mm-hmm. you know, just one block away from that. It's own, it's its own beautiful experience and place. Exactly. Um, and for people who haven't visited Portland, I just sort of want to paint the picture because you have sort of, you have downtown Portland that kind of bleeds into 23rd and then Thurman is perpendicular to 23rd. And so you turn onto Thurman and you still have kind of stores and grocery stores and cute cafes and restaurants. And then you have my favorite cafe in the world, which is Dragonfly Coffee Shop, which is Kitty Corner to Betsy and Aya. And then pretty much a block in there, it just becomes neighborhood, which then turns literally into forest. So you just have this really natural, it's bizarre, but that's so bizarre. I couldn't, the first time I did, a, did that run, I was like, what? is this magical place. Like I was living in New York City, so it felt like truly sprinkled with fairy dust. So Mm -hmm. you came across this location for your first retail store on Thurman, this magical, magical street. Yes. So in 2011, it was just Mm -hmm. right at the right time where we were Mm -hmm. needing, we were outgrowing our space, which was Mm -hmm. further closer to downtown Portland, Mm -hmm. um, like you said. And uh, I took a I took a different turn and I, I, I remember it as being an accident. It was like, Oh, mm-hmm. Oh, that's weird. I turned on a different side street today, but Oh, well, I know, I know how to get there. And I, I, I ended up writing down Thurman and I saw a for lease sign in the most beautiful old building. And I got this sense of almost anxiety. Like I got to get that right now because it's going to mm-hmm. go like that. And mm-hmm. I, um, I instantly, texted or called will and said hey we need to look at this space i have this really i'm having a reaction (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i need we need to call these people and um and so we we called them and um and connected with the landlords and and they had they hadn't even they're kind of these old school guys they hadn't even put it on or didn't have any plans to list it anywhere and so that feels like so old school portland too which just like doesn't happen anymore that's no, amazing. it doesn't. I know. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and it, to me, it felt like part of the whole package of this is meant to be, you know, mm-hmm. no one else knows about this yet. I can't believe we're getting it. It had a bat. It had a backspace where we could work on the jewelry. Um, cause we mm-hmm. make all the jewelry still, um, and then have a retail space. And, and at the time we, we, you know, it was so quick and so kind of like just this, again, this magic feeling like we, we need to pursue this, that we, we made decisions pretty quickly about, 
what we were going to carry and if we were even going to have any other lines than Betsy and I. And um, mm-hmm. we ended up making the decision to bring in other jewelry from the um, other local designers and, and as you say, things now from all over the world. Um, and, and that really started kind of the next phase of our, of our business. And we were in that space for years and we ended up expanding that space. Um, and then eventually moved across the street to where we are now. And we, we occupy two, two of the spaces. Um, and then we're adding a third space. So one, the corner shop is our retail space and we sell our work, which is made just behind there in the production studio. Mm -hmm. And then we're opening a fine jewelry store. Um, here hopefully in the next couple of months. Um, oh, kind I'm of, so excited. Yeah. Thanks. It, me too. And I mean, this kind of dovetails with what we were talking about earlier with this like protection of the creative, this protection of the creative process in light of trends or statistics or any business decisions like that. But obviously with expanding the store and moving into a new place and bringing up other brands, there are a lot of business things to be doing behind the scenes. How do you protect your creative process? Because you're still actively designing all the jewelry that you create. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, creative processes is, is something that I have been practicing and perfecting through the years. And part of, I think part of that has been letting go of trying to find the perfect flow and the perfect routine and accepting that um, sometimes things need to change and particularly in a small business where you know I mean pretty much daily things can be thrown in our way that we weren't expecting to have to deal with you know and so I think that it's it's a combination of remembering and understanding the practices that get me into the place that I need to be in to design Mm -hmm in a way that honors the work and honors the people who I'm designing for, whether that's an unknown customer or a custom customer, a very specific person. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes those things are, are really uh, quick and simple and easy to tap into. And, and sometimes it takes me a little bit longer, but there, there does have to be a reminder reminding myself that um, like to be gen- to be gentle sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I do things like I, I light a candle before mm. I um, design for custom customers. So I, mm-hmm. I think of their story and who they are and what they what they shared with me and light the candle and 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 kind of create a um, ritual around the um, the importance of who they are and why why I'm there doing that work to to lead me into the drawings and um mm. I, so when I, you light the candle, because I want all of the creative details, I'm like, yeah. walk me through your ritual. Do you sort of, you make sure that, are you at your jewelry workstation and you light a candle and you just sort of like have a moment to pause to think about the stories that, um, that were shared with you about the custom piece or what does that look like from there? That's exactly right. I, when I meet with people, I, I want them to share with me as much as they feel comfortable. These meetings can be super intimate. Sometimes I'm learning things that uh, the people closest to these customers don't even know yet. Things Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm going to ask the love of my life to marry me. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, you know, I'm going through this really difficult time in my life and I need to honor myself. And so I'm making this piece for me. 
these kinds of things or going through grief and, and all this. So it feels, um, it feels extremely important and special. And I feel very honored to be let in on those moments mm -hmm. in people's lives. And so I take it really detailed notes. And then when, when I'm designing for them, which sometimes is as soon as a week later, a week after that meeting, I, um, I revisit those notes and I read them over and I, um, I picture the person in my mind and their story as I'm doing that, I light a candle mm. and that is to make the moment as, um, real and sincere as I can connecting to, to that story. Um, and also kind of like a, a ritual to shut down the noise around me, you know, mm -hmm. in a symbolic way. It's like, okay, I'm getting in now. <laughs> there's the lighter, there's the candle. <laughs> this is it. You're going into the, you know, here's the tunnel. <laughs> mm -hmm. You're choosing, yeah, to, to be deliberate yeah. about it. That deliberate ritual resonates so much with me because I think that it really is so important because, of course, my creative process is writing. And you said earlier that you can't really wait for the perfect moment for creativity. And I think a lot of people have this vision of, okay, I'll write my novel that I have this idea for when I can have three months of uninterrupted times in a cabin in the forest. Oh, and like, I wish. that's <laughs> never going to happen. Exactly. And that's, oh my God, I want that so badly and for hey, my next novel. Let's do it. <laughs> applying to writing retreats left and right because this is chaos. But that being said, this ritual and this idea of ritual has also been incredibly important to me because when I was writing the bulk of my novel, I was doing it before working a full-time nine to five job. And you have to just, you have to have a ritual at some point that just gets you into that space. It's like, we don't have a lot of time here. We can't be dicking around and doing other things. It's yeah. like, we came here to write. And yeah. so I had a similar thing where I was like, I made sure First and foremost, I never picked up my phone in the morning. It was like, I want to have just a completely clear headed space. I would make myself my coffee in the morning and I would do the same thing. And I would light a candle on my desk and it was always the same candle, but it was almost this like moment of like, okay, I have my coffee. I have the smell of this candle. I would always begin handwriting. So it was like, you know, we know that we're going to begin journaling and just going through it. And then the writing process begins, but yes to have this set time of like, this is, this is this protected. And I honestly think sacred space. Yes, I think that creativity is sacred. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You made me think you made me remember that another thing I've been trying, um, in the last year is because of what you said and, and how difficult it can be, you know, we know that we have to create, it has to mm -hmm. happen. Um, and mm -hmm. so, and sometimes it just feels so, so hard to tap in. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been playing with doing an art form that's parallel to mm -hmm. what the work that I do, mm -hmm. but not something that I need to make my living on just something that mm -hmm. I can kind of, um, experiment with and, and just kind of get the juices flowing. So uh, sometimes as part of my ritual, I'll just put a piece of sketch paper out and take a black, um, pen and, and do some line drawings and set a timer, mm. even 10 minutes of line drawings. And then, mm -hmm. and then it kind of like gets, it's the pilot light, you know, it mm -hmm. kind of gets yes. it 
And then the spark comes after that. And it, and I think it's because it's, I, it's taking the pressure off of the, the thing mm -hmm. that I have to get done, you know, um, mm -hmm. but still tapping into that part of my brain, um, and heart and all that, that, you know, um, that, that allows me to do the kind of work I do with jewelry. Mm -hmm. I love that idea of the pilot light because I think that without calling it that I do that also in so many different ways where it's like, I make sure I think that creativity begets creativity. And so that's why it makes perfect sense to me that you studied theater and then you went into jewelry making and now you draw to inspire your jewelry making. It's just like, <laughs> All of these things sort of have this, like they, they interact and I feel like it's the same part of the brain that is, mm. that is fired up. And I feel it too when I do different things. And one of the things that's so important to me and that I wrote about recently on Morning Person is this concept of creative dates with myself, which is this, um, you know, which is this uh, concept from the book, The Artist's Way of taking mm. yourself on artist dates where you just have this sort of free form creative time and even going to see i recently saw the poet ada limon speak in portland or i'll go see a movie that i've read really interesting things about or i'll just go to powell's their you know bookstore in portland and browse and i feel like when you go with this almost state of mind for i'm open to creativity it mm -hmm. it comes in Absolutely. Oh, this, this happens. Everything you said is something I would do too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and those are the types of things I think too, that can sometimes feel like, at least I should speak personally, that can feel, um, superfluous or, um, not, um, mm -hmm. like I, like I, like I don't deserve that to take that mm -hmm. time. So mm -hmm. I've been practicing and working on, um, giving myself that time because the work doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't just come out of the air. Like all, all mm -hmm. of the experiences that we have in life are contributing to the work that we do. And mm -hmm. so I am working when I do something like you described, you know, or I can be, it can be part of it. And, and one thing that I, um, that I, that I did a lot last year was go to the Japanese gardens and mm. just sit and they had these benches all over and I would just mm -hmm. sit and watch people and, and journal and, um, nature in particular right now really inspires me. And I, I, I love discovering the shapes that everything around us makes, right? It's all mm -hmm. been here always. <laughs> and, and it's just a matter of taking, slowing down and, and, um, and taking a moment to see what's in front of you. And that's kind of going back to what I was saying about the senses, you know, smelling the smell. I mean, springtime right now, right? You mentioned walks like, oh, oh my God, it is so beautiful. All the blossoms out <laughs> of control. Mm -hmm. oh. mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. if you really allow yourself to, to, to take it in, you know, it, it doesn't have to take a long time, a five mm -hmm. minute walk and just like, test yourself to see all the colors you can see. It's just mm -hmm. unbelievable um, what Completely. can happen. Completely. Yes, I've been going since the weather's been nice. I, for about the past two weeks, I've been going on these morning walks. It's the first thing I do. I wake up, I throw on my pants, my jacket, and I just get out the door and I do this sort of three mile loop outside. And it has been, I feel like because I've been incredibly stressed with the number of things I have like book and school and morning person and often it feels so hard to switch back and forth and to code switch and it's like how are you supposed to stay inspired in that 
And it really feels like this protective space that when I'm feeling, I had been feeling so burnt out and I was like, mm -hmm. I'm in this week right now where I'm in between semesters. And I was kind of thinking, oh my God, I feel completely uninspired for the newsletter. And I was really nervous because I know next semester is going to be a lot. And now I have like eight issues just absolutely mapped out. Like I can't write them fast enough because I'm so excited because it really, it's this teeny switch, but it's just like yes. going outside, maintaining, it's an hour a day. And I feel like I've just cracked the code on how to be creative and, um, but yeah, going outside and just letting your mind wander. Yes. It works wonders. It really does. And I also recommend, um, have you ever tried, uh, walking meditations, like guided walking meditations. Mm, no, what do you use for this? <laughs> so good. Well, I use two apps. One is <laughs> one is the Calm app. Have you ever? Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. the Calm app has some good ones. What okay. I love about, I think the Calm app and Insight Timer, both of them have good mm. options. What I like about the Calm app is they, it's like a section and it has like five minute, 10 minute, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So like I said, you can go on a five minute walk and mm -hmm. it just helps you um, to feel like you're, you're you mm -hmm. feel your muscles moving in a way that you, in your body experiencing the place that you're in, mm -hmm. in a way mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily usually do. And I think it brings you into the present moment and being mm -hmm. into the present moment. I mean, that's it, right? That's mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the goal and that is what Absolutely. informs right that connection to ourselves which then is the thing mm -hmm. that makes us um create beautiful work i think mm -hmm. and i want to know also because you talked a little bit about um the jewelry that you create for custom orders but you're mm -hmm. also designing your own collections and you just came out with one recently what does it look like when you don't have any parameters and you're just creating a collection that mm -hmm. you want to make you know, for me, I, I am not interested in, again, going back to trends, I, I will fail if I start by looking at what's going to be popular fashion, fashion wise mm -hmm. in 2023. Nope, that will that will just stop <laughs> me in my tracks. I can't take the candle. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> he nailed it. Um, <laughs> so I for me, it's finding something else to connect to. And um, it's been different all the time. It's been, um, it's been place, it's been travel, um, nature, walks, the way like, I, I can build a whole collection off of a sh one shadow that I saw, you know, mm. and this, this particular collection, the Dawn collection, I started how I start many of my collections, which is, which is with paper and pencil. And I love starting that way because I can do anything mm. that comes to my mind. Mm -hmm. And then we can figure out how to make it after that. And what's mm. interesting though about this one is I, I, I did follow that particular path. And then at some point I just felt like it's not, it's not clicking the way that I want to. There were things that I liked about it, but I, I just felt like it, it, it wanted something else. I just knew it wasn't right. And mm -hmm. so one night I, um, I, I stayed late and I, I decided to, that I needed to be, to play with the material. And so I, and this to me is kind of like call, calling back to my theater roots of, okay, it's not working. Mm -hmm. So 
what's the new idea, Improv, you know, like yeah. shake it up. Exactly. We can, you know, <laughs> let's do, let's do something different. Don't be afraid to do that. Yeah. Like, I have this other stuff. I can always come back, but mm-hmm. let's shake it up. And so I opened, literally opened one of our metal scrap drawers of which we have mm-hmm. tons of scrap because we recycle all of our metal. And mm-hmm. I just pulled out these gnarly looking shapes and that were just mm-hmm. like, you know, crunched. They're messed up old work or, you know, mm-hmm. crunched from the scrap around pieces that we use that we make into beautiful earrings and things like that. And this one shape emerged. It's actually the the pair of earrings I'm wearing right now, the Vivada oh, hoops. Wow. Yes. And I, it was more or less like, I think the bottom curve is a big piece of wire and the bottom curve was there. And so I saw mm-hmm. it like that wants to be an earring. And, wow. uh, and then I made the Boteo earrings. Um, another pair that's just simple shapes and and I, something about that experience i felt the fire i felt i was you know i was jamming you know it's that thing mm-hmm. where like oh this is it this is me mm-hmm. this is us totally it's happening just like yes. you said i've got all the ideas now which ones i'm gonna put out there because there's so have, many coming to me suddenly <laughs> i have stepped literally betsy i have been in the shower full shampoo in my eyes <laughs> and i've stepped out of the shower like this run naked oh. across my oh, apartment yeah. to take out a notebook and be like i have the first few sentences of a post i know what it's gonna be so <laughs> there's just that moment sometimes you're like oh my god I've got it. I relate to that so much. And it's funny because a lot of times it happens for me in the shower too. I will, yes, I will well, actually draw on the mm-hmm. window that has a draw with my finger on the, um, the steam. Yes. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, don't, can that helps me like pack, capture it in my brain? Like oh that, my that God, shape that I got to put on paper. How funny. I think that? it's, I've thought about it a lot because so many, what comes to me in the shower is full sentences. Like I'll sort of be chewing on like, okay, I kind of know what I want this post to be about. Like say, I, I want to write about creativity. I'm really interested in it, but I don't know what the thesis of this post is yet. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be in the shower. And I think it's because it's this like attention deficit tank. It's just like, you're surrounded by white walls. There's not a lot in there. All you can do is just be by yourself. And all of a sudden it's like things click. and inspiration (laughs) i like exactly what you just said a lot (laughs) the i'm pictures your words (laughs) you said it better than i could say it but that it that i've had that same thought because what how how is this happening Mm -hmm. and it's yes you 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 know you have to stop and slow down it's kind of like Mm -hmm. you know the the smaller version of how i a little bit think about the pandemic and how it forced us to slow down and and kind of Mm -hmm. you know rethink forced me to rethink um how how i do things in some ways and um i think that Mm -hmm. that happens in the shower you know it's like there's no other place to be but right here and um and so you're stopping and there it comes and the yeah Mm -hmm. and then you're probably like me where i get i get anxious and i'm gonna forget all the things that are coming to my brain (laughs) yes oh my god but the thing is is i do forget like nothing exists until i've written it down like it it will be so fleeting the worst is when i wake up in the middle of the night and i have a fantastic idea and in the morning i remember that i had a fantastic idea but like absolutely the idea is gone like gone oh, forever yeah <laughs> it'll come yeah. back though you know in some Someday, way or another maybe. i just yeah yes it, it lives there somewhere yes. but i'm also curious about so when you're in this early creative process and you're sort of making your initial sketches mm-hmm. do you share those with people immediately are you protective of them like at what point do you start telling other people or the people you work with or will your husband Mm -hmm. when you tell them your ideas 
or are you Ooh, private about them? Such a good question. I feel like it, it, it varies and it's evolved mm-hmm. through the years. Um, I have a tendency or have had in the past a tendency to show people too early and, mm. um, and it has clouded my process and mm-hmm. caused confusion for me um, because especially people like Will who've been with the business for a while, um, they do have strong, strong thoughts and opinions. And if I've learned, and sometimes I don't learn until I've asked the question and it's too late, but I've learned mm-hmm. that he, getting responses, then yeah, it kind of uh, sh- just, mm, slows me down. I, you know, I, I I have a hard time knowing which way forward. And so it's a, it's almost, you know, even after all this time, 15 years in, it's still really vulnerable process for me to, um, to have the pieces that I feel like they're ready to be presented. Um, Mm. and, uh, and that means before metal. So maybe there's a little bit of metal, maybe there's a little bit of drawings. Um, and by metal, I mean like tangible form. It might not necessarily mm-hmm. be metal, but most of the time it is. Um, mm-hmm. And it's still really vulnerable to me. I still feel like um, like I'm almost like I'm. it's the first time I'm ever showing anybody the work and wondering, are they going to like it? Is it going to, you know, is it going to be accepted? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a lifelong, I think, probably process of, um, of, of letting myself, you know, feel that, but also having the confidence from experience and time, you know, to, mm-hmm. to believe in the work that I'm doing, I guess. It completely. And I think I have the exact same thing. So morning person goes live every Tuesday morning and every Monday night, I cannot sleep because often nobody has seen what I've written yet. Like I, I'm a one woman show here and mm-hmm. occasionally I'll forward it to friends to copy edit. Um, but often like i've just written an issue and then it is put out into the world and so i'll have this moment where if i have fallen asleep i'll wake up at two in the morning like like oh my god did is this gonna go well how's this gonna be received um did i did i translate my thoughts into the newsletter the way that i wanted them to be um but it's this really when you do something i think that's really creative that's like i have put my soul into metal i put my soul into you know writing if there's this really scary moment um right before it's released into the world and isn't it Mm -hmm. i completely relate and isn't it um isn't it beautiful that i think that the reason that happens to us and i'm sure so many others who who do similar things is because we care so much Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. You know, but because we we hope that what we're doing uh, allows someone to feel something, helps someone in their own story mm-hmm. and journey, and I think mm-hmm. there's something there's something really special about that. And uh, it doesn't mean that it will make it easy. Uh, it's it's always feels hard, but I, um, I I've observed that in more recent years. You know why why this happens, and if it didn't mm-hmm. happen, what would that mean? You know. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I didn't, if I didn't care, if I was like, I just know every time that mm-hmm. this is, which I do, you know, there's, that is also part mm-hmm. of it. I do know, like I said, in the mm-hmm. studio, 
I mean, back in my early days, I would just call out, I'm a genius by myself. (laughs) (laughs) But I find it oscillates between I'm a genius and especially with my novel, it's like, this is the best work of fiction that has ever been written. Or it's like, this is a piece of shit. Like, who wrote this? Like, who's responsible here? I need to talk to the manager and it's, you know, it's all me. But yep. It's there's no in between. There's no like this is an okay book. It's like this is the best or this is absolute trash. And like, oh my god, it, yes. it can and it can oscillate within a sentence. Like I can feel here and then here and then it's yeah. oh yeah. And then I don't know if you experience this where you'll you'll feel like this this is this is fantastic. And then you go to present it or share it with a friend or whatever, however mm-hmm. that manifests for you. And then knowing that they're receiving it, processing it, whatever it starts to change in my mind, you know, in that moment. Oh no, this isn't good. Totally. You know, so those are totally. the voices in our heads. Like, oh yeah. Oh my God. It's not going to be, it's not going to be good. <laughs> I mean, you have no idea how prescient that statement is right now because I actually, I just sent my book out. It's like pretty much completely done, but I just sent it to a group of five women who are in my book club who are always Ooh, very opinionated about books. So I was like, Read this book as if it is a book club book, tear it apart now. And then, you know, once it's published, give me all of the praise and compliments, but right now, like tear it apart. <laughs> and so I'm meeting with them tonight. I'm taking oh. them out to dinner and we're going to chat through it, but I'm sort of like, ah. <laughs> I'm oh. excited, but terrified. <laughs> Isn't that funny too? Because I, I would mm. imagine they're probably friends of yours and I, I I find in some strange way that the people I love the most are the ones that I, maybe it's not strange, but you know, that I care mm-hmm. the most about, even though their opinions might not, you know, might not matter as much in terms of the bottom line, but something mm-hmm. about, I guess, probably connection to, to love and connect and, you know, belonging maybe, um, mm-hmm. and acceptance. Yeah. And I think that's all you can do. You can really only write for yourself and for the people who you're directly surrounded by, because, you know, when you're creating something that goes out to a wider net, there's this sense of like, I don't know who these people are, but I know what I care about. I know about the people who I love. And so here's hoping that it resonates. Oh, I'm so excited for you. (laughs) I can't wait to read it myself. Oh my gosh, you are so sweet. And I'm so excited for you. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for this conversation. And I feel like I've learned so much just from talking to you. And it it just is endlessly interesting to me. I think that creativity is just this unbelievably valuable, um, intangible force that mm. I think whether you do it for a living or it's a hobby, I think that it's such a valuable, um, it's a, it's, I don't know what I want to call it, like a valuable piece of magic that we just have to yeah. keep um, burning and tending to. So I'm yeah. so inspired by you that you've had that CNI now for 15 years. Whoa. That's incredible. <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. Well, Betsy, thank you so much for talking to me for Morning Person Newsletter. I'm just, I'm so excited. And I hope that other people who are listening to this sort of feel the creative spark to make whatever they want to make and however they want to explore. Thank you so much, Leslie. I feel the same. (laughs) 
we are so aligned, Betsy. I, <laughs> I know. Like, well, we really are. Also, what people listening to this don't know is that I feel like our experience of meeting was just this absolute love at first sight because Absolutely. I had been writing about Betsy and Aya for forever. And then Will found Morning Person <laughs> reached out to me and I was like, there is a celebrity in my inbox. I can't believe it. And then we had this initial coffee date where we just didn't shut up for like an mm-hmm. hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Vibes. We are connected for sure.